Welcome to the Godcasts. Hi everyone and welcome to uh, the Godcast and uh, to this pilgrim's journey. Uh, today we're in Irwin Minster, um, where people definitely don't talk like farmers, as uh, what we've discovered. Uh, and uh, Dave, you've been reflecting there on what exactly a vicar does. Hi John, yes that's right. Um, I don't know whether that's... Um... That's what I meant when I wrote that. But I suppose, yeah, what, what, what is the role of a minister? Um, when, I, when I got to mm. uh, Irwin Minster, not Irwine Minster, I don't know where you went to, um, it had been quite a long walk, <laughs> uh, 14 miles on the, on the road a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And I got to, to my hosts, um, uh, another David, David John, who was a minister. We... Um, we chatted over a pint about the challenges of ministry the cha and the expectations that people have on us as ministers. This was another of those things that I was really hoping I would get the chance to do, talk to other people in Christian leadership about what what is this all about? What do we do? What do people want from us? Um, both of us um, had had challenges in our domestic sort of situations um, and both of us mm. expressed or shared we shared with each other that we had at times felt poorly supported by the structures and the networks mm. that we believe should have been there for us and that's not to say our local mm. church because both of us had felt local church had been had tried really hard and really well at supporting us through things. But it, it comes from this idea of, mm. um, I my experience in ministry was, um, I spent 12 years in Swayze, a small village outside Cambridge, a relatively affluent community. Um, and I knew most people, mm. I knew a lot of people. People knew me, they recognized me if I was walking down the street mm. because I was involved in, in mm. things in the school and in the college and maybe, you know, through festivals and events and people coming to church, funerals, all that sort of stuff. So mm. you kind of know people and I would be generally, <laughs> generally greeted well by people. Um, and so there was that sense. What, really? Wow. Yes, yeah, yes, John, indeed. Um, but there was that sense in which, in some aspects of my life, I, I seemed to be have a lot of people around and my life was quite busy. But then there were other parts of my, my life as a minister that felt quite lonely. Um, and I describe in my journal yeah. how I can remember going to school events with the children and walking in and people would mm. say hello because they recognized me uh, sometimes the parents of the kids oh, wow. would, would would acknowledge me and we'd talk briefly but after about 10 minutes i felt like johnny no mates i was going to say billy no mates but i thought johnny no mates was probably better because of you thank you yes and yeah, yeah. and it felt as if people didn't know how to just have small talk with a the vicar. They didn't just sort of know how to just be friends, casual. Um, almost mm. as they, maybe they thought, mm. I don't know, that I was going to judge anything that they said or that I wouldn't be interested in their conversations. Mm. And yeah, I just, mm. 
what what is it that people think we are them or what we do um mm. how, how does that mm. then shape how we behave i guess yeah i remember years and years ago going to visit a family who um had arranged for a funeral in the church and um walking in and introducing myself and chatting with the family and then uh, one of the um, older teenagers who wasn't there when I arrived comes in and assumes that I'm part of the funeral directors you know thing um, and so starts sort of just talking a couple of swear words in there you know obviously quite frustrated with with what, how things had, had panned out and the mother is is turning white as this is happening and she looks at him and she says this man is the minister. <laughs> and the boy, like, freaked out. I mean, his, his eyes just, like, went so wide. Um, and uh, he said something like, oh, sorry, Father. And I said, just call, call me John, you know. Uh, but that sense of, sorry, Father, sorry, Father, um, as if the role somehow makes us um, less human or... Mm. Um, or holy, or separated off. Um, I think so. I think there's that. There's that sort of perception. Um, there's also possibly the the, the perception, um, like quite a negative one, you know, because the, the church has not received great press for good reason uh, over the over the past few years, and that might be something that yeah. is a barrier for people for faith. Uh, that what the vicars are actually up to is not holy or good or Christian um, and that there's a de delicate balance there it's, it can be quite tricky to walk sometimes yeah yeah the pre the expectations or the presumptions people make I can remember living in uh, Pontia um, during the end towards the end of my training and university and um, being invited to go and go down to cricket nets I, I used to love playing cricket, played cricket when I was in the army and as a young man. And um, so I went down to the cricket nets and mm. I've been invited by a guy from church, Rob, who was our church treasurer at the time, church secretary, treasurer, both probably at various times. And um, so I got down to the nets, which wasn't mm. far from where I, I lived. Um, and there was quite a lot of folks mm. around. And I just sort of got involved, introduced myself just as David and um and we were practicing and the language was was awful you know there was a lot of banter going on but there was a lot of language that was fairly fairly colorful and about half an hour later rob turned up and he said oh i see you've met david david's the baptist <laughs> minister and you could see all of the people just like sort of shrink because they were like oh no what oh i can't believe you know and i said I said, look, it's fine. I've heard, I've heard much worse than this, and I used to be in the army, and yeah, yeah. it sort of gave me an opportunity to yeah. tell them a bit more about myself. And it was, it was quite funny how that yeah. evolved, because we we started. I started playing for the the club, and I can remember going to matches, and we generally would lose. I think that was generally seemed to be the objective of the game. <laughs> um, but at times people would sort of shout, Dave, you need to pray more or, you know, you know, what's happening? Get God yeah, to yeah. about it. And so there'd be this sort of yeah. banter that was going yeah. on. But that initial horror mm. when they discovered I was a minister and they'd been, 
effing and jeffing as as it's you know is is put mm -hmm. but um mm -hmm. yeah but but that thing about yeah. what are, what are people's expectations of us and something that i think is really important is i think that the job of a minister has dramatically changed in the last couple of decades probably the mm -hmm. last 10 years more than than anything from a point where primarily you as a vicar or a minister your focus was about the church it was services preaching it was it was prayer meetings going to visit the people that were already in the church marry people bury them christenings so it was quite an internal located thing but what's happened now is as well as all of those things that your church community expects you to do and be you're expected now to be a carer in the community a social worker a counselor a representative on community councils and committees all these other things that now the minister is supposed to be and that that changes that's really changed i think the dynamic of what it means to be called to ministry there are these spiritual aspects of it now there's all these social demands and and there's a paradox there because there's a lot of people that have no respect for your role the idea that as you say you're a minister or you're one of these vicars and no good people that do bad things and yet there's also this this need for you people want you to be part of community it's a bit of a weird mix yeah no absolutely i think um you know years ago somebody joked with me that we um we hatch match and dispatch people mm -hmm. you know that we're there for weddings christenings and, and funerals um and, and generally the, the people that um you know I, I meet through those kind of things are, are appreciative you know friendly supportive you you occasionally get you know some people that don't want to share negative things or negative experiences um but yeah you know you are right that the expectation is is shifting and has shifted um and i think one of the key things is is for each minister to come back to that sense of calling uh how has god gifted me how has god shaped me mm -hmm. uh, how is what has god called me to do uh, otherwise you just bounce from expectation to expectation indeed I mean, the other thing that I reflected on at the time was there was a, a survey that I found, a report, that, that in 2014 that it concluded that vicars, ministers, were among the happiest of all professional people. And, mm. and I think yeah. that's true too, in many ways, because for me, being a minister, being a church minister, being a community minister, was just such a privilege. Yeah. It's a huge privilege and mm. I'm not involved in church ministry now and I miss that aspect of it for sure. Um, it's, mm. it's, you, 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 there's something happens as a minister where you get invited into the lives of people in a way that maybe nobody else ever does through their tragedies and their joys, yeah, through, yeah. through all sorts of despair and happiness um, and it's a huge privilege. Yeah. Um, and I'm not mm. complaining about the way the role has changed because I think all those things being the, the carer, the social worker, the counsellor, I think that's great. I think that's fabulous that 
that that is a way we can be involved in the community. I think it's what we should be. We should be doing. Um, but it yeah. maybe maybe challenges some of the models of training and preparation that we have. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure whether when I look back, our training took that into account much. I think we had a lot of training on how to write mm. sermons mm. and how to sort of do mm. academic theology and but the more hands-on social engagement, I think I don't think there was enough of that really. And I think that the, the challenge then becomes, um, and this isn't a reason not to explore those types of ministry, but the challenge becomes: so if if you're going to do it as a minister rather than one of the sort of social um, enterprises or social agencies that are set up and trained for it, what do you bring to it that's different? Um, why why should people ask in, invite you into a situation as opposed to um, a sort of quote unquote professional agency to do it? Uh, and there's an opportunity there um, to shine the character, the grace, the the, the love of Jesus. Um, but it, like we were saying a couple of um, sessions ago, it doesn't happen accidentally. You know, it's an intentional yeah. thing. It's yeah. a it's a deliberate. In this, I'm following Jesus. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, just, just thinking back now to what I've just been sharing about this change in, in responsibility, I can remember going to, I think it must have been a Baptist assembly at Westminster Hall in London, and one of the sort of um, other um, meetings that was happening was over in, with Steve Chalk over at the um, Oasis project so just over west mm. the bridge mm. so kind of like the church where the oasis project came out of steve chalk stuff and at the time mm. um, um there'd been this whole thing about big society and um david mm. Trump, wasn't it mm. saying that you know this was a time for society to step in and and take hold of some of those things that government either national or locally couldn't do anymore and I was struck mm. by, he, he was saying that one of the dramatic changes that happened for church was in the sort of 60s into the 70s when social care came in and, you know, the NHS, all these projects that started to be managed nationally. And they were things that church mm. had done. Church had run orphanages. Churches had run mm. a lot of schools and medical centres and, and supported things like mm. that. If you, yeah, look, yeah. if you look at stuff like, I, I know this is drama, but the, um, oh, what's the nurse thing based in London? Um, oh, my brain's gone. But back in, uh, up until that period, that's what church did. And then when, when the state started to do mm. things, we just let go. And we stepped away from them. And mm. those things mm. had been really important ways of connecting us to community and to people's real lives and all of a sudden we stopped and yes steve chalk was saying at the time was big society this is the opportunity for the church to reclaim some of that connection mm, mm. and the churches should be looking mm. for opportunities mm. to engage with schools and engage with the homeless and engage with the community in all these ways that they used to it's not, it's not that it's a new thing. 
It's what mm. we used mm. to do. Church used to be at the heart of the community because yeah. it's yeah, caring yeah. for people. And so in actual fact, it was just about coming mm. back round mm. to something that had been part and parcel of church life 50, 60 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's the um the challenge for for a lot of us now is is how do you how do you move from a situation um where it would be unexpected for the church to be engaged in, in certainly in terms of invited into a situation. Um and I think it's it, we often think don't we in terms of big projects or big organizations or, or big events but i think it's it's got to happen locally isn't it it's got to be through through relationship um, mm -hmm. yeah with, mm -hmm. with people that it happens um and i think you know the um the, the focus has to be on jesus you know that what, that what we're doing is trying to demonstrate the care and the love of, uh, of jesus and introduce people to him uh, because ultimately you know we can do all the the social bits and bobs um, but what we really, really want to do is to, we're, we're doing that because we believe that Jesus made you, Jesus loves you, Jesus mm. has uh, forgiveness and freedom for you. Um, and, and keeping that front and centre, I think, you know, in a very honest, uh, open way is essential. Yeah, and, and we do need to be honest about that, the gospel. Um, I, I mentioned a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday, I was talking about getting youth club youth club started in church and um in Swayze there was the, we, we saw this need and an opportunity to set up something and when we were planning it i said one of the things i don't want us to do is the jesus slot i don't want us to invite youngsters to come to something that we're putting on for them because we see a need to to invite them without any preconditions or any expectations to a space that's about providing them a safe space where there's people to make sure everything's done safely um, and then once we've got them shut the doors and say right for 10 minutes we are going to tell you about Jesus because it's kind of like well that wasn't the plan that wasn't the deal rather than do that let's just show them Jesus by being here by volunteering by caring by giving them the opportunity to to learn to know, get to know us and learn to trust us. And that's what we, we need to do, get involved in people's lives. They'll, they'll wonder why, they'll ask why. That's a great opportunity to say, because this is what I believe God wants for you. When people ask questions of us, it, it invites us to share our faith. I think sometimes we're too quick to tell people and their response is, I wasn't asking. I wasn't interested. Mm. I I have a bit of a, mm. I'm going to offend people now, but I have a bit of an issue with the sort of the door knocking, letter posting sort of thing that some charities do, where they, you know, it is this week and we're going to post all these things through letter boxes. And then volunteers from the church will go and knock on the door and collect the letter with some money in it. And we see that as a, as a piece of outreach, an opportunity to engage. And I just think it's so rude. People that we don't talk to at any other time in, in the year, we don't engage with them. We don't even know what their name is. They don't know me. And it's like we knock on the door and say, hello, can I tell you about my friend Jesus? 
and they're kind of like, I don't even know who you are. Why, why, why do you want to talk about friends? We haven't got a relationship in the first place, and I find it really uncomfortable. And I, I think you know what you were saying about let, let's not have a slot. You know, let's decide to um, to show Jesus. Um, I think some, sometimes people can use that as an excuse to not to have to evangelize. But actually, if you think about it, it is a far more challenging way to go about it. Um, the, the whole question of what would Jesus do in this situation, um, it is fundamentally, it's a much more difficult call, actually. Um, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Well, what does that look like, you know, in a youth group or, um, you know, sort of meeting that very basic um, human need you know, on, on, on approaching it as a servant rather than somebody that stand, stands there and criticises others for not doing it. Um, you know, in our culture, what, what is that role and, and where is that role? Um, and, and to do those kinds of radical yeah, service, radical love, that will prompt a question. Because mm. uh, the truth is there's plenty of lovely people out there doing lovely things. Um, but to do... Jesus things in a Jesus-like way. Um, I mean, the call to to do that is is extremely high. Mm. We we ran this youth club on a Friday, and and I I had this sense that this this approach worked because there were times where kids would we it, it went crazy at one point. We had fifty or sixty kids coming along to this thing, and we we had to keep getting more volunteers to make sure we had the right numbers and all that. Mm -hmm. And it was chaos. Mm. All these kids running around the different rooms and you're trying mm -hmm. to stop them all piling into their toilets and all sorts of things. Mm. And I can remember one evening there was a couple of girls stood by the, the the sort of coffee bar talking to Dawn, I think, who was on. And the thing was, why, why do you do this? Mm. Mm. On a Friday, you could be doing something else. And mm. do you get paid for this? And this conversation started and they were kind of amazed that we volunteered to do this and, and mm. what it was that drove us to it. Mm. And another time there were some people bouncing around in the church, jumping off the stage and they kept landing on top of the baptistry cover. And I went in at one point, I said, can you jump a bit further or not so far? Because you know, <laughs> at some point you are likely to go down into the pool. Yeah. yeah. This room of about 30 kids was like, a what? What pool? So we took the cover off the baptistry and then spent the evening talking about doing mm. baptisms and mm. and they were amazed. Mm. We didn't sort of decide this week we'll teach them about baptism. It just was a conversation yeah. and, and we didn't stop them jumping. Maybe the whole question of what does a vicar do anyway? Um, if you, If a vicar's doing the right thing, probably should lead on to the question of why you know what why are you being this why are you serving in that way um if you get asked that i guess you're you're probably approaching um performance aren't you definitely yeah i guess i guess it, it, in a way i suppose we don't want people to notice that we're doing something it, it's it's not that we something that we do with lots of bluff and bluster so sure. everyone yeah, knows yeah. it should be yeah. done in a way that's almost missed mm. but isn't mm. <laughs> almost is missed but isn't it has an impact on someone that as you say asks why mm. Mm. or or just prompt somebody to say thank you mm. 
that something is you've done something for them that day amazing so we're off to bower chalk next bower chalk yeah that's the next one we're, we're about halfway through now this is, is that please tell me that's through true. week three and and i was i was thinking about that because i'm trying to add up the number of challenges that we have in life um that you you list for us i'm gonna have to go back through every episode ah. and work out the challenge for us is because ah. there's about 50 so far <laughs> I'm, I'm a challenging person i think um, you are very challenging and quite challenged <laughs> both are true yes it um I'll, I'll look i'll look forward to that list um i can and then i'll add to it if that's okay once i've seen your attempt um that's your challenge and then i shall i shall add to it good fabulous i'll see you in virtual tomorrow amazing thanks thanks Mark. mate bye bye thank you for listening to the godcasts mm-hmm.